part five of our elephant series. Uh, Pastor Derek started several weeks ago, our groaners again, so I have one. I don't know if he's here to hear it. Just tell him it was really good. Could you do that for me? All right. So why couldn't Goldilocks sleep? She kept having uh, night bears. Yeah, that's the groaner part. There we go. I did find a, a story. Let me see. Oh, there we go. There we go. I did find a story that uh, uh, I, I want to use as an opener, as an introduction to our topic for today. Uh, the following letter is from a professional bricklayer in response to his workman compensation claim for injuries sustained on the job. It seems that the insurer sought more detailed information for his accident investigation about how the bricklayer sustained such substantial injuries. The letter starts, Dear Sir, I am writing in response to your request for additional information in Block 3 of the accident report form. I put poor planning as the cause of my accident. You asked for a fuller explanation, and I trust the following details uh, will be sufficient. I am a bricklayer by trade, and on the day of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a new six-story building. When I completed my work, I found I had some bricks left over, which, when weighed later, were found to be slightly in excess of 500 pounds. Rather than carry the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower them in a barrel I was using to, uh, in a pulley, which was attached to the side of the building on the sixth floor. Securing the rope on the ground level, I went up on the roof and swung the barrel over the side and loaded the bricks into it. Then I went down and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent of the bricks. You will note in block 11 of the accident report form that I weigh 135 pounds. Due to my surprise of being jerked off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded at a rapid rate up, to the, up the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel, which was now proceeding downward at an equally impressive speed. This exclaims for the fractured skull, minor abrasions, and the broken collarbone as listed in section three of the accident report form. Slowing only slightly, I continued up rapidly my rapid ascent, not stopping until my fingers of my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley. Fortunately, by this time, I had regained my presence of mind and was able to hold tightly to the rope in spite of the excruciating pain I was now beginning to experience. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel. Now devoid of the weight of the bricks, that barrel approximately weighed 50 pounds. I refer again to my weight as 135 pounds. As you might imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the building. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming up. This accounts for the two fractured ankles, broken tooth, and several lacerations to my legs and lower body. Here, my luck began to change slightly. The encounter with the barrel seemed to slow me enough to lessen my injuries when I fell into the pile of bricks, and fortunately, only three vertebrae were cracked. I am sorry to report, however, as I lay there in the, on the pile of bricks in pain, 
unable to move, I again lost my composure and presence of mind and let go of the rope. And I lay there watching the empty barrel begin its journey back down onto me. This explains the two broken legs. I hope this answers your inquiry uh, as to my poor planning. I use this illustration because, well, it ties in in a, in a little bit of a way in the sense that sometimes in life we, we think something's a good idea and we find out later it's not. Have you ever experienced that? Sometimes in life we think we can handle something or we have control over something and find out later on that we don't have control and we can't handle something. Sometimes we don't really come to that realization until damage is already done and hurt has already been done. Our elephant series today, number five, is on pornography. Uh, we have two scriptures that we're going to read. I'm going to read the first one that's found in Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to ask you to read the second one in James chapter 1. Let's stand together, though, can we? Let's see. There we go. You have heard that it was said, this is Jesus speaking, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that anyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings death. Yeah, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and that God, you are with us in every circumstance and every situation. And I pray, God, as we look at this topic and look into your word today, that God, you would help us I pray, O oh God, that you would speak to us and be glorified in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We are following an outline that is what, who, where, when, and why. And we're going to go through that. And uh, when we were uh, dividing up these different topics and discussing what elephants in the room uh, we were uh, going to have, this is the one that I got. So pray for me. <laughs> First of all, under what? What is pornography? Uh, Encyclopedia Britannica defines pornography as a representation of sexual behavior in books, pictures, statues, motion pictures, and other media that is intended to cause sexual arousal, excitement. There's a distinction between pornography, illicit and condemned material, and erotica which is broadly tolerated. However, in, it is subjective in cultures and society, and sometimes those things do change over time. The word itself, pornography, comes from a Greek word, porni, which refers to uh, prostitute, and graphene, which is to write. It was originally defined as any work of art or literature depicting the life of prostitutes. The problem with pornography is not just that it is wrong according to God's word, and I think 
we can lay that as a firm foundation. The problem also is that it enslaves, it traps, it puts a dark hold on people's minds and in their spirits. The Canadian Counseling and Psychotherapy Association uh, in an article called The Effects of Pornography have said this, the effects of porn addiction are undeniable. Those who suffer from such an addiction frequently struggle with a desire to part from their addictive issues. The nature of porn addiction infiltrates the mind by gradually permeating the very essence of the individual. The individual becomes so entangled by a web such as an addiction that every waking moment is about fulfilling that addiction. In many cases, porn addiction frequently feel that the porn addictions frequently feel that the pornography has so entrenched their minds that they begin carrying on a suppetitious like affair with the pornographic habit. Needless to say, pornography that can start off as a very mild and gentle viewing can take a hold of people's minds. And this isn't just from a religious point of view, but secular viewers as well. There's a scripture that we read in 2 Peter. Peter says this, these people are, are string, springs without water and mists driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them, for they mouth empty boastful words and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people and are just, who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and are overcome, are they worse off? They are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit and a sow that is washed returns to wallowing in her mud. Porn is not just casual viewing. It is something that is designed to get a hold of people's minds and thoughts and to take hold of them in a way that leads to addiction. Our next is who? Who does porn affect? Well, both men and women, young and old, those who are wealthy and those who are poor. It is no respecter of person. All can be trapped, all can be enslaved by porn. First Corinthians says this, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but, when the temptation, but with the temptation, he also provides a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Temptations, that which are common to man. Now remember that we are tempted by things that affect us or are part of our nature. Whatever that temptation might be, not just porn, it is something that's in us that entices us. We are typically not tempted by something we don't like. If you brought me a plate of pickles, I, I can guarantee you I would not touch them and I would 
sorry to say, move them away. I'm not tempted by pickles. I believe they came with the fall of man. I don't really have a scripture with that, but that's just my view personally. But temptation, and we are tempted by things that are something that's in us. We need to be aware of that, be alert of that, that those are things that are already in us, in our fallen nature, and we must be alert and be aware of the danger. Dealing with children and porn. 70% of all pornographic material falls into the hands of 12 to 17-year-olds. This is Medical Facts Canada. 90% of boys and 60% of girls have been exposed to pornography before the age of 18. According to one website, the medium age that children become introduced to such material is 11 years of age. That's becoming really true in our culture and society with the media, the internet, phones, that technology has, although has some really good aspects to it, there is some danger to it as well. And parents, you need to be aware of that. A recent survey conducted by the Barna Group found that approximately two-thirds, 64% of U.S. men, view pornography at least monthly. Moreover, the study reveals the number of uh, Christian men viewing pornography virtually mirrors the national average. 64%, this is in the States, but the statistics are basically the same for Canada. But then you look at the Christian men, men who would call themselves Christians, the number is about the same. There is strong evidence that shows that porn viewing or having a parent who views porn has a dramatic and long-lasting negative effect on children and youth. God gave mankind sexual desires. They're not wrong. To bless them, he gave it to us to bless them and to be a part of God-planned human experience. Satan, sin, works to push these desires to the max or out of what is acceptable and natural, causing a separation with God and human struggles. That's both mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Please take note that we have a spiritual enemy who seeks to destroy and to tear down what God is building and what God has given to us. No one can snatch us out of the hand of God. Amen? Amen. But I'll tell you, he can do a lot to make us. He can do a lot to get in the way of our relationship with God and hurt and cause pain within human relationships. He will do everything he can. Understand that those who... Those who haven't come to faith in Christ, he really doesn't need to worry too much about them. They're his. And he can leave them to themselves. It's when we come to faith in Christ, when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, that we get like a big bullseye in the spiritual realm. That the enemy wants to destroy what God is building and what God has given to us. Don't let him. Don't believe the lies. Live in the victory and the freedom that Jesus Christ has given to you. Amen? Amen. I get preachy. Hmm. 
<laughs> All human desires, God-given desires, must be controlled so that they don't take control, that they don't rule a man or a woman, but used as God intended. Pornography is designed to enslave, to cause addiction, to pervert what God has intended for good. Pornography starts off, and again, when you look at other addictions, they start off simple and easy and light. But it's meant to, to keep pulling you deeper. We'll look at some of that later on. So just be aware of that. Be alert to that. When you think you've got control of something, don't believe the lie. Because just like our funny story at the front, all of a sudden you can find yourself being pulled off the ground and find yourself somewhere where you never thought you would be because you didn't let go. Pornography's downside is its ability to overtake one's mind, body, and spirit. So many, so for many, they become so enthralled with the alternative to sex that it clouds their judgments, leading to an acceptable denial that they even have a problem or that there's an issue. In his book, Edward Welch says this, addictions are ultimately a disorder, a disorder of worship. Will we worship ourselves and our own desires, or will we worship the true God? We sang and talked a little while ago about all that God's given us, the victory. He is worthy of our praise. Amen? He is worthy of our first love. It was interesting, Charlie Tyre's funeral yesterday and some of the family members shared. But one of the things a few of them said is that they all knew that God was his first love. They knew that their father, grandfather loved them. They knew that but they also knew that God was his first love. God needs to be our first love in our life. We need to love him more than anything and more than ourselves. And I even believe that God calls us to himself, which humbles and amazes me to this day. But he calls us to himself because he saw in us, sees in us, the ability to love him more than we love ourselves. So he calls us. He opens our heart so that we might go into a relationship, come into that relationship with him and love him and know the abundant life that he has provided for us. In this world, we will have troubles. Jesus said that, but take heart or be encouraged. I have overcome the world. Charlie Tyres has gone on to his earthly or his heavenly reward. He has left this earth of trouble. In these last few months, he's been sick. He hasn't been able to get out and be a part of the, the fellowship of the church. But all that is gone. The family were able to laugh and have even a sense of celebration because they know that Charlie had gone on to his reward. That's what God promises us. That's why it's worth the fight to live for God and his glory. Amen. Just wanted to make sure you're still with me. 
Again, anything that gets a hold of our life, anything that can become a, a, a stronger focus in our life than God is an idol, something that we worship. We might think we don't have it. Ask God. Ask God if there's anything in your life that you love more than him. Years ago, years ago I asked God that. And he just pointed out that my devotions were not what they could be and should be. That I would find time to do the things I wanted to do, to read the books I wanted to read. And not necessarily his word. That, for me, was a test. And I, I have made it my goal to read his word through every year. But not just as a book, but as a devotion. To, to open my heart to what he has to say. And then to, to try to the best of my ability to pray throughout the day. We drive a lot. Our kids are all down south. It's not unusual for me to be driving and praying in tongues at the same time. There's just things that you just open your heart to and you're thankful for it. And I just begin to pray. Now that's me. Ask God if there's anything in your life that comes before him and that he wants you to change. Again, in this article, The Effects of Pornography, we read, the National Council of Sex Addiction and Compulsivity estimates that 6 to 8% of Americans, that's 18 to 24 million people, now that's addicts. That's not people who view. Remember that 64% of men view pornography at least monthly. These are addicts, people who have gone to such an extreme that they have to do it daily. They have to view it throughout the day. 70% of sex addicts report having a problem with online sexual behavior. In Canada, the statistics on pornography viewing and addictions are parallel. The same. All too often, sexual addicts risk losing important relationships, being plagued with diseases, and, place, and placing their jobs and careers on the line. For the addict, it is less about the desire and more about fulfilling the compulsive need. Pornography for women, uh, there are some similarities as far as visual things. But there is some research in a lot of articles that really talk about the written word, romance novels, that whole type of thing that, again, a fantasy world that draws women in to um, capture their hearts and desires. And there's, so there's some interest that way. Again, anything that replaces or gets of greater importance, gets a hold of our life that we can't live without becomes an issue and a problem that we need to address. Next is where. The battle is in the mind and in the very spirit and soul. Jesus answered in Mark chapter 12, the most important, dealing with command, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. There's a writings written by um, Shane O'Neill. These are some of the excerpts from his writings that I found. Um, as you may know, uh, pornography hijacks the pleasure center of the brain. 
it floods your neuron network with dopamine, which is to say the more you watch pornography, the harder it is to find happiness outside of pornography. Over time, it becomes harder and harder to find happiness in pornography, and it gets harder and harder to find happiness in other areas of life. Pornography can create, agitate, and trap you in depression and anxiety. Porn can create depression and anxiety by robbing joy from other areas of your life. Pornography is not something simple and light, people. It is something that can affect you dramatically and affect others in relationship with you. It can destroy your life and relationships. Our society, we're quickly seeing the connections between um, uh, uh, mental health and pornography. And there's a lot of research going on about that. Our culture is hurting. And a lot of people get involved in things to kind of satisfy the hurts within their life. Now again, remember that a lot of people start at a very young age, and that's happening more and more today, which then affects even how they grow and how they develop and how they think about themselves. And so that hurting society is just continuing to grow. The problem is big, and it's weaved itself into our imaginations and our coping mechanisms. Porn is there for us when we're sad, when we're happy, when we're lonely, after a difficult day at work, after a fight with our spouse. spouse, It's even there with us when we lose a loved one. Pornography is not the sole issue of mental health problems, but it's a big contributor in a lot of battles that people have. The battle is in the mind, the battle for the mind, the spirit, and the very soul of people. Paul says in Romans 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Our next point is when. Here I uh, kind of have two questions. When, or two statements. When the battle comes, remember the battle is already won. If you will let me take a few minutes, I want to read in the Message Bible, Romans chapter 6. So what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you, don't you realize that we packed up and left there for good? That is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace a new life in a new land. That's what happened. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going, 
in our new grace sovereign country. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ, a decisive end to that sin-miserable life. No longer at sins every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included into Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Christ was raised from the dead, it was a signal to the end of the death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When, we, uh, when Jesus died, he, did, he took sin down with him, but alive he brings God down to us. Mm. For now on, Think of it like this. Sin speaks a death language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue, and you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That is what Jesus did for you. That means that you must not give in, give sin a vote in the way that you conduct your life. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourself wholeheartedly and full-time. Remember, you have been raised from the dead into Christ's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyrant any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. So since we're out from under the old tyrant, does that mean that we can live any old way we want? Since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? Hardly. You know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. Offer yourself to sin, for instance, and you'll, that'll be your last free act. But offer yourself to the ways of God, and the freedom never quits. All you live, all, all your lives, you've let sin tell you what to do. But thank God you're starting, you started listening to a new master, one whose commands set you free to live openly in his freedom. I'm using freedom language because it's easy to picture. You can readily recall, can't you, how at one time, the more you did just what you felt like doing, not caring about others, not caring about God, the worse your life became and the less freedom you had? And how much different is it now that you live in God, God's freedom? Your lives healed and expensive in His holiness. As long as you did what you felt like doing, ignoring God, you didn't have to bother with right thinking or right living, or right anything for that matter. But do you call that a free life? What did you get out of it? Nothing you're proud of. Where did it get you? A dead end. But now that you found you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do, you have discovered the delight of listening to God telling you, what a, what a surprise, what a whole, healed, put-together life right now with more and more life on the way. Work hard for sin your whole life, and your pension is death. 
But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus, our Master. The battle over sin, over pornography, is already won through Jesus Christ in the cross. Choose to live in that hard-won freedom and that victory that Jesus has given to you. The next question is, when temptation comes, flee, turn away, delete, delete, delete. Paul tells Timothy in Timothy 1.6 to flee these things and, and fight the good fight of faith and to take hold of eternal life, that salvation that has been given to us. In 2 Timothy, he says to flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. Our text in James, we read, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. It comes back to love, people. It comes back to love. Will we love God more than we love ourselves? Will we put God first in our life? And I'm not talking now just about pornography. There's all kinds of things that can get in the way of a Christian's life in a relationship with God. Amen? So don't turn off what I'm saying here because pornography is not an issue in your life. We're talking about anything that can get in the way of our relationship with God. I'm not saying anything will take us away from God and we'll lose our salvation, but it gets in our relationship with him and causes what God wants to do in us and through us and prevents it from happening and his will being fulfilled within us. It gets in the way. You know it. You have experienced it. So have I. Remember, we don't fight alone. It's a spiritual war that we're facing, but we don't fight alone. God is with us. He's with us all the time. He's never left us, and he will never leave you or forsake you. But we also need one another. We're starting a, a men's group. It's going to be a very small group, and it's going to deal with pornography and overcoming addictions and problems with pornography. We're calling it Choose to Change. It's a Conqueror series and the material that we'll be using. Um, for more information, email me. I put my email in the notes. They're online as well as papers that are here. And well as the website, you can find my email. Your emails will be kept confidential and private. You can ask me questions about it, and I can help you out as best I can. A couple of scriptures, Proverbs says this, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. We're meant to go through the Christian life, not alone, but with one another helping. And I realize that this is a difficult topic, a difficult issue. Don't allow your fear of someone knowing prevents you from finding the freedom that's already been accomplished for you through Christ. Hebrews says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such sinners, 
from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted. Jesus accomplished everything on the cross. He took your shame upon himself. Don't carry shame. He took your shame upon himself. Find the freedom that's yours in Jesus Christ. The last point is why. Here, really briefly, why stay in slavery, in bondage? Why stay bound by something that's destroying your life and can continue to grow stronger in your life? Get rid of it. Choose to change now. And know the freedom that comes that Christ has accomplished for you. Why choose to fight the fight? Why choose to fight the fight? Whatever that battle in your life might be, whatever the struggle that you're dealing with, why choose to fight it? Jesus fought for you. He fought for me. Do you know there was nothing that God wouldn't do? And that was proven with Christ on the cross. He fought the ultimate battle of sin and death and won a victory <laughs> that by nothing we've done, we can share in and live in. Jesus fought for you. He suffered for you. He died for you. He is worth fighting for in your own life. Amen? Amen. He is worth the fight. Now, we don't earn salvation, so I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about earning and, and anything. Our salvation is a free gift that God gives us because of what Jesus Christ has done. But you and I know that there are struggles in life. We all have battles, whatever they might be. It's worth dying to self. That's sometimes the biggest fight is just dying to self. He's worth that. Every day, just keep thinking of the cross. Every day, just go back to thinking what he was willing to do for you. He was willing to die to himself so that we could know forgiveness, freedom, life now with his joy and peace and eternity with him forever. He's worth the fight. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's the greatest thing, It's to put him first. In closing, I want to just share one scripture again. It comes to my mind. It's the one in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he also provides a way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. This morning, as I prayed over this message, this scripture came to me, and so I want to close with this scripture. I want you to think of this scripture as God began to show me something else. No temptation has seized you except which is common to man. We looked at that. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted 
beyond your ability. God is with you in your temptation, whatever it might be. God is with you in your temptation, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can endure and overcome with him. God's there. God is with us. He said he would never leave us or forsake us. That's in the good times, that's in the bad times, and that's enduring temptation as well. He's there. Lean on him. Trust in him. Turn to him. Turn away from what seeks to destroy your life and turn to the one who promises life. Life abundantly. He's with each and every one of us. I'll never understand his love. Maybe in eternity we will. It amazes me. I read a scripture yesterday that my last scripture I read to Charlie in the hospital was, and he asked for it, uh, John chapter 1. Verse 16 jumped out at, at, the, at the hospital when I read it. It talked about grace upon grace. God's grace upon grace. The wording there is, is meant to be, it, it's never complete, it's never empty. It's, it's just over and over and over and over. It's like, your, it's like a plate of your favorite food. They talked about Charlie eating a lot, loving food. It's like your favorite food, and you know, no matter how much you eat, it's still there. And you're still hungry, and you don't get fat, and everything, all that good stuff. God's grace just never is empty. That's in the good times. It's in the bad times, and it's in the struggles. He's there. He's there for you. Turn to him and find the freedom that he won for you. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen? Amen. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, again, Lord, we thank you. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, you amaze us. Again, I stand amazed in the presence. God, your presence that represents your love and all you've accomplished for us, that you loved us so much that you gave, you surrendered, you died, you sacrificed, that we might know you. You created us for that relationship, and God, when we broke it, when sin broke that relationship, you paid the price so that we could be united with you again and know you and your love. So God, I pray that you would help us know that. Know that, God, you love us even when we struggle, even when we have struggles. God, your love hasn't changed. You're there with us in our struggles. Your mercy, your grace is there. You are our greatest cheerleader because you've provided the victory and you want us to know that there's, there's freedom in you. There is, there's victory in you. That, God, you called us to yourself that we might be overcomers and be victorious in and through Jesus Christ. And again, for your glory and for your honor. I pray for us here today that, God, if there are any who are struggling in areas of life, whether it's pornography or other areas, that, God, they would truly sense and know that, God, you are with them right now. That you love them and you are calling to them to find the freedom that's theirs in Christ. God, when 
when we can't and shouldn't try to do things alone. Help us to reach out to someone who will help us. Help us to find someone, and even this group that we're starting, help us, God, to find the help we need to be the men and the women of God that you've called us to be. And Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Go with each one. I pray, God, blessing and protection over each one. And Father, I pray for our families, children, grandchildren, and some even great-grandchildren, that, God, you would bless them and lead them and guide them according to your will, plan, and purpose. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.